0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota is your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth, and has been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. If your heart is set on a new Toyota, come check out the 2024 Grand Highlander. They've got a demo to test drive and several others on the way. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canelamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. We are excited for our conversation today. We have CSU wide receivers coach and recruiting guru, Chad Savage, joining us. 24-7 Sports has listed Chad Savage as the highest-ranked recruiter in the Mountain West, primarily recruiting Southern California and Arizona. And they also have him listed as their uh, on their 30 under 30 list. So uh, looking forward to talking to him a little bit about recruiting and his process there and um, also uh, talk about his leading of the receiving core in his first season had a nice toy and uh, Torrey Horton who had a thousand yard season and was a first team all Mountain West selection also named the Blitnikoff watch list he'll return as one of the best wide receivers in the league and it will also be joined by Sophomore Justice Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown, and a bunch of young, talented guys that we'll ask Coach about. So anyway, Coach, uh, thanks for taking a little time this afternoon, and looking forward to getting to know you a little bit. I
1: appreciate it, Joel, and I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for the invite to get on your guys' show. It's a, always an honor to talk CSU football, and I'm excited to get going with you guys today. I dig that shirt,
0: by the way. That's a nice, uh, I love the throwback ram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's uh how's the summer been? What do you what are you doing right right now as you get ready so, for, for camp?
1: So far, so good. So June we had camps and official visits. So we did three weekends and official visits, and then throughout the week we were traveling around. Really our staff was all over the country, um, going to different prospect camps at different universities. And then um that we've had we've been off since June twenty-sixth to July twenty-fourth. So Made a few trips, went and saw my family, and then uh, we'll be back in Fort Collins this week just to get ready to, to get going for fall camp, and then we'll have a prospect camp at the end of the month as well.
2: Did you uh, did you have to keep your head down when you went to Reno? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, you always just you always wonder what's going to happen, um, especially because I mean, when I travel, I do wear I do bring my my CSU duffel bag. So you always just wonder what kind of looks you're going to get, but luckily uh, this time around, nothing happened.
0: I'm curious how how do you divvy up who you're going to see in a particular trip and and who's going where because this you know it's it's a lot of pieces to the puzzle in this recruiting game and so how how do you break down you know you're looking at film you're looking at um, all the the factors and how do you decide who who you're actually making visits to.
1: Well, our our entire staff does a great job just ranking our guys and do our due diligence on every prospect. Um, We all have our respective areas. For myself, I break up Southern California with a few other coaches, but I primarily have the Downey, Compton, Long Beach area, all of San Diego and Arizona, but I'll recruit receivers all across the country. And so I'll make sure I do my due diligence, ranking each player based off certain intangibles, and then based off their rankings, I'll prioritize them and who I want to go see through the spring recruiting months and then also in the month of June if they're going to any of the prospect camps.
0: And how has the uh the recruiting trail been? I mean, we all keep track of Twitter and we see the the big names that that say hey, we're I'm committed 100% committed to CSU and, and everyone gets all excited. Um it seems like the 2024 class is taking shape quickly. Uh I know you can't talk specifically about anybody, but is it uh in your your opinion are you guys ahead of where you want to be? Right on track, or
1: I think we're right on track to where we want to be. Um, our our staff did a great job just going out, seeing guys in the in the month of of April and May, um, just getting information on guys. I mean, character, grades, um, seeing if they. I mean, if they did have practice, being able to see guys move around, and then really in the month of June, seeing guys at camps. That's really where you can solidify guys to see if they fit our mold. Um, and then we had those three weekends of official visits in June. And I think we're right on track. We, we've got a few guys that have gave us that nod, but once they give us that nod, it doesn't mean the recruiting process is over with them. You got to get them all the way till December, um, until they sign that paper.
0: Well, I know you personally have been real successful in your young career. Everyone talks about how you're going to be the next guy plucked from the staff and and people become calling for you because of your successes. But, uh, for you, what is your secret sauce and how you recruit so well, you've had a lot of success there.
1: I firmly believe it's all about relationships, and it's come down to relationships with the actual prospects themselves, with their family members, and then relationships with guys in the area that know they're going to have influence in their decision, whether it be a their high school coach themselves, a trainer, um, a family or refl- a friend they might be relying on. It's all about relationships and just taking the time to build that level of trust for all parties involved.
0: All coaches say that, right? A lot of coaches say say it's all about relationships, but Obviously, you're doing something that's that's connecting with them. That's maybe different from what other coaches are doing. It. What is it about you that makes you just a little different?
1: Um, I think being a younger coach, I can relate to these guys. Um, I understand the music they listen to. I understand what they like. Um, I I can have fun with them when they come on the official visit. I can be serious when we're obviously going through our meeting room and and understand that it's all about business at the end of the day. But I even tell my own players, we're going to have fun and we're going to enjoy what we're doing because well, what we do because these four years of their college career are going to be their best years of their life. And I want it to be their best years of their life. And so I want them to be refreshed. It's still a game. I want them to love what they do. And so for me and them to understand that and to build that, to be on that same page, that's what I'm establishing through our communication when it comes to recruiting.
0: When you guys were all hired and uh, coach Norvell was talking in his initial press conference, he, he said something to the effect of, People don't know how to recruit California, right? And, and we do. That's what he, what he said. What what is that secret there? Do you not want to give it away? <laughs>
1: um, it just comes. I mean, especially Los Angeles area. There's a, I'd say, a list about five certain five individuals that really have their hands on all the top prospects, and I think our staff has done a tremendous job building a strong, trustworthy relationship with those individuals. And so when we identify a prospect that we want and they have, they have a relationship with those individuals, um, they don't mind sending them our way or pushing them our way to at least get us in the picture. And then once they get us in the picture, I feel confident enough that once we get somebody on campus and depending on who we're going against, that I'll really stand up against any school in the country, um, especially any school in our conference. And I feel like we'll have a good shot to land those prospects.
2: So, Coach Norvell, Norvell joked about how he wants to recruit basketball, a basketball team. You know, even at the, even at the uh, recruiting roundup, he showed highlights of your guys' inner squad uh, basketball tournament. So, with four air raid uh, and with what Coach Banks runs, is your focus trying to find athletes first to fit those systems?
1: It, it really is, and I mean the biggest thing is is we just want versatility. Um, we just don't want a guy that. Strictly plays receiver because if you're just playing receiver year round, I mean, you might not build great habits. Yeah, you're going to be polished at the receiver position, but we want athletes. I mean, and I'm not just looking for basketball players at the receiver position. Obviously, I love them because it shows hand-eye coordination. Um, it shows the ability to understand space. It shows your ability to make lateral for lateral movements. But if a guy plays baseball, I love it because hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sport. Hand-eye coordination, right? Tracking down a ball in the outfield is not easy to do. Run and track. I mean, showing you can you can win a hundred meter race. That's all the things we look for, and so we love athletes on both sides of the ball, really in all three phases: special teams, offense, and defense. And we're gonna we're gonna try to find. We're, we use every database out there to look at those measurements, whether it be in any, whether it be in football, baseball, track, basketball. We're gonna look at all the, all that data and and all those statistics and compare it to see what really fits our mold.
2: Are you going to start looking at sumos? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you guys—you guys might have saw that 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 on Twitter today. So I guess yep. I guess we can say I guess we can say we do look at sumos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Incredible! Yeah, it's—you uh, guys are not uh, leaving any stone unturned. I love it.
2: That—that <laughs> that is definitely a different two-sport athlete than we've had before. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now we can get the Japan to Foco,
2: that's that right. going Yeah. <laughs>
0: Man, and and increase that fan base as well. I mean, we could have the whole whole country of Japan behind us. So, um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so curious has your as your recruiting sales pitch differed today than it did at Reno and previous stops at all, or does that change?
1: No, it hasn't changed. Um, I mean, our style of offense, and I've been with Coach Norvell, has been the same. Um, the profile we're looking for at receivers and offensive skill guys has been the same. Uh, I think just the biggest thing that's changed is what we have to offer in terms of facilities, resources, and on campus once kids get on the campus at Colorado State. Um, And so I think the only thing that really differs from when we were at Reno to where we are now in in Fort Collins is proximity to California. Guys could sometimes get in a car from L.A. or the Bay Area and and drive over, and now it's getting on a plane. So usually we'll get guys – it's rarely to get them on unofficial visit, but that's why we'll identify our our, our top guys and really try to get them in on official visit because that way we can pay for the flights and all that stuff. We've
0: talked to several coaches on the staff and, and they've all kind of, to a man, had talked about the the facilities and the support here and, and, and what a game changer it is. So um, interesting to hear you mention that as well. Has it allowed you to get in front of or land a different level of recruit or is it just a matter of, Hey, this is what we have. If you can get them on campus, you got a good chance to close
1: them. Yeah. I think just getting guys on, on campus, it gives us a good chance to close them because whether they visit another PAC 12 school that might have big facilities and have some of the bright lights, I think we have the same stuff to offer. Um, but I don't know if the facilities at the end of the day are a make or break deal. I think it again, comes down to the fit. In if the, what they like with us as coaches, um, what we like with them as a, as them in a prospect, and then at the end of the day is just can they have success in our system, in success on campus, and and have success as a student athlete.
2: So after after you finished at Reno High School, you attended uh, Division three Linfield College. Looking at what CSU's facilities are and and all that comes with with that, what was how do they compare? To to what you had at, at in Oregon, Yes,
1: yeah, so I was I was hardly at Linfield. Um, I spent most of my college career at the University of San Diego, which is a non scholarship FCS program. And even those facilities, I, so I I was there for four years, and then I even coached there in COVID year in twenty twenty. I mean it's <laughs> it's it's pretty it's a night and day difference. Um, and even seeing some of our facilities, we travel to away games. Our facility to some of the the teams in our conference, again, it's a, it's a night and day difference, and we're just grateful to be at Colorado State and to be under Joe Parker's leadership and our president's leadership because it all starts with their vision. They had a vision, and now it's our just it's our job to execute what they want at this university. And uh, I firmly believe we will get that done.
2: What is a Torino, or uh, did I mispronounce the uh, your your mascot at USD? Herrero.
1: <laughs> yep. So at, at USD. We are the Toreros, and then at, at Reno, we were we were the Wolfpack. So I was a graduate assistant at Nevada for two years, and then I coached there in 2021. Nevada does have some good facilities. Again, I just think it's we've got some newer stuff at Fort Collins, um, and obviously the money that they put into that facility, what we got going it right on campus at CSU,
2: it's it's unbelievable. So you played you played QB and defensive back in high school. Um, you're a receiver in college Uh, with the way that you're absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail, um, playing all these multiple positions, has it helped you identify talent in your recruiting?
1: Yes. And no, I think at the end of the day, can you just see fundamental movements? I mean, does a guy have good body control? Does he have good ball skills? Can he, does he have good lateral movement, short, short space, quickness, but really it comes down to what, each position coach likes in their room, right? I mean, Coach Mummy has a certain profile. He looks for quarterbacks. Coach Finley has a certain profile he looks for in tight ends. I mean, he goes for every coach down the line. And so we just got to do a good job as a staff that we we see eye to eye when it comes down to the certain profile we're looking for for each position.
0: From the instructional standpoint, is it tough? Like um, and for for you, I mean, you, your initial, your first job was as a, wide receiver coach. That was kind of a natural fit. Uh, you coach tight ends at Nevada. Um, I guess if you can coach, you can coach. And as long as you can relate to players, you you can be an effective coach, but how do you be an expert in coaching various different de- uh, positions when you may not have coached that before? It's always interesting to me when you see, you know, a coaching staff shuffle guys, maybe even from offense to defense in some, some cases, how, how do you do that? I mean, how do you do that and be a, an expert in coaching that position when you may not have done it before?
1: I think just willingness. Are you willing to learn that position? Um, are you willing to listen to others? I do believe there's a lot of egos in this profession, and so when you walk into that building, you got to make sure there's no ego coming with you. Um, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by some great coaches that are well versed in all positions. Uh, mainly, Coach Norvell. Um, I mean, he he gave me my really my first chance in uh, at, the, at the Division One FBS level. And he's very well versed on both sides of the ball. And so I've learned a ton of football from him. I've also leaned on some of my mentors, uh, Jeff Horton, who coached a long time at San Diego State. When I coached tight ends, Rip Shear, who was a long time coach at UCLA, he helped me out. And so I've just been fortunate and blessed to build some relationship with some of those top top minds in the game of football. But at the end of the day, you just got to be willing to learn and, and take time to, to make sure you learn the X's and O's.
0: One last question on recruiting here for me, but how has NIL affected the way that you and your staff recruit?
1: I mean, NIL, it's its new to the game. Um, we're doing our best to <laughs> really learn the ins and outs of what it is and, and what it isn't. It, I think it's all fluff because you hear all these different stories of guys getting promised millions of dollars to some of these schools, and then at the end of the day, they're not getting anything. And I think NIL is a good idea because I do think players do deserve to – Earn money based off their name, image, and likeness. But then you got the transfer portal, and I think when you have the transfer portal, it's that's a good idea itself. When you got NIL, that's a good idea itself. When you put the two together, it's really a mess. And so, I don't know what college football is going to be like going forward. I don't think really any of us do. Um, it's going to be interesting. We're fortunate at Colorado State to have a strong collective. But at the end of the day, it's up to the individual. We're going to have the resources in our collective to help these guys out. But they got to take care of business. They got to be strong in the classroom. They got to be well-liked in the community. And you got you to make plays on the football field. And some guys think that guys are just going to hand stuff out. But it doesn't matter what your job is in America. I mean, you got to earn your stripes every single day. And everyone's got a job to do. And like Coach Norvell says, there's no free lunch. And so you better perform every single day if you want to be helped out. And we're fortunate that our collective is getting stronger and stronger, that they can help our players out.
0: All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. Check out the Cash Restaurant this summer and try out one of the most popular selections, mussels with Equinox Brewing Sunrise Golden Ale, Garlic, Shallots, Confit Tomato, and House Sourdough. Or if you want something more dialed down, check out the cafe, where you can sit on the north patio, enjoy Chef Ryan's wide selection of delicious apps, salads, entrees, and other comfort food classics. And don't forget the amazing cinnamon rolls in the bakery, which are up for NoCo Style Magazine's Reader's Choice Best of Four Collins. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, a market, and a teaching kitchen. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of their cooking classes and other events this place is amazing guys support our friend ginger graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place ginger and baker
2: now you you already talked a little, a little bit about this now you went to reno high school you were you know four a player of the year high desert league player of the year you also lettered in baseball and track um Now, as a coach, as as a college coach, when you're talking to young athletes, how important is it uh, for them to be a multi-sport athlete and not, and like you said, not just, I'm a receiver and that's it?
1: Right. It's, I think it's very important that they're multi-sport athletes, but to be honest, (laughs) there's less and less nowadays. Guys are only playing football, they're only doing the seven-on-seven travel circuit, and I mean, at the end of the day, if they're a good player, they're a good player. But we like athletes. Um, You can't play – not that many guys play two sports at college, right? My thing is enjoy it while you can. Play baseball, play basketball, play track, stay fresh in football, and enjoy it while you can because when you blink, high school is going to be over. when you blink again, college ball is going to be over. So if you have an opportunity to play the sports you love with the best friends in high school, enjoy it while you can.
2: And you, you mentioned it earlier, you were an undergrad assistant at, at USD. What exactly did that entail and, and how difficult was that to do coaching as well as going to school?
1: That I mean, that opportunity is really the biggest blessing I've had in my career. Um, and I, I'm so thankful for guys like Dale Lindsey, um, Tanner Ingstrand, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, Tyler Sutton, who I first worked with. Uh, I'm forever in debt and grateful for those guys um, just giving me that opportunity to really learn the game. And they they treated me like a, a full-time coach, and they gave me the role of essentially a full-time coach when it came to recruiting, game planning, um, drawing up scheme on Sunday, drawing up all the stuff on Vizio, the past, the, all the past diagrams. And so that really prepared me for my graduate assistantship at Nevada because when I got to Nevada, I was well-versed in everything it took to be a GA.
2: So with your coaching career, when you got back to Nevada as, as a full member of the staff, you were there for one season as the tight ends coach when Norvell, when coach Norvell accepted the, the CSU position, was it a tough decision for you to uh, to decide to come with Jay, uh, knowing that you were back in your hometown and you finally made it and was on a division one staff?
1: Yes and no. Um, it's, it's, It was actually really crazy how it, all that went down because our last game of the regular season, we played at Colorado State. And then we're going on the road. I'm on the road in LA trying to get some guys. I'm wearing Nevada stuff, Nevada polo. And then I go back the next week. I'm wearing Colorado State stuff, trying to sell them to Colorado State. But when Coach Norvell first took the job, honestly, I wasn't really sure what to do. And so I relied on some of my mentors, I relied on my family, but at the end of the day, it came down to who Coach Norvell is a person. He has been loyal to me, I've been loyal to him. He gave me a great opportunity to start my career. And at the end of the day, that gut feeling said, you better stay with Coach Norvell. And looking back at it, I'm so grateful, even though Reno is my hometown. uh, I have nothing but love for Reno and the University of Nevada, and I'm forever grateful for my time there. Um, and all my roots are deep in Reno. Um, but my family thought it'd be good for me to get away. And it's always nice to have another logo on your resume because now I'm in a different part of the region, right? I'm a different style of, uh, just a different brand of football being in, in, in the state of Colorado. And so I'm, I'm fortunate that coach Norvell gave me the opportunity to go with him, And I'm just excited to keep building this thing at Colorado state.
2: That was the earliest I've ever left a game, by the way, uh... <laughs> It it, it
1: really it really was crazy how that went down. I remember being in Los Angeles trying to recruit Lewis Brown, Justice Ross Simmons and Makai Fox and in Nevada Polo, uh, myself and Timmy Chang. And then a week later, I was in. No, so I was actually in I was in Reno. They the equipment manager at the time FedEx me a box of Colorado State stuff to my house in Reno (laughs) I went on a plane, got on a plane, flew to LAX, and then recruited those guys in
2: Colorado State gear. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely appreciate that. It, uh, think we got some good stuff coming up with them. <laughs> um, so last season you started off uh, the year with Tory Horton, Ty McCollick, Melquan Stovall, as your starting three wide receivers with Dante Wright uh, coming in and getting reps as well. After the fourth week, you only had Tory left. As, as the position coach, what was your mindset with what you needed to do to go forward? I mean, the first four games,
1: just going into the year, we didn't really know what team we were going to be. Um, obviously, we had, obviously, we had guys from the previous staff, and then we had some of the guys that came in with us, whether it be transfers or freshmen. And so the first four games obviously didn't go our way. Um, I mean, it's, it's year one. <laughs> Sometimes the ball might bounce like that. And then after the first four games – we had Tori, who was an older receiver, and then we had young guys that we recruited and we liked. And so we threw them in the fire. Um, some of them responded very well. Uh, guys like Justice Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown came on late at the end of the year. And so those guys getting the experience that they had freshman year, I think it's going to it's going to really help them moving forward, especially going to year two, because the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores the next year.
2: Uh, that, you just answered my next question. I was going to uh, ask, how did that accelerate their development with Justice Ross and with Lewis Brown? I
1: mean, it's, it's all about repetition at the end of the day, um, because a guy could, could learn all the plays in the meeting room. But if you're not getting those game reps and those practice reps, who knows what kind of player you're really going to be. So we really threw those guys in the fire. They responded well. They made some big plays. Um, obviously, we didn't win enough games last year, and that's not to our standard, but those guys getting their feet wet and seeing what it it's like to play at the division 1 level. It's only going to help them in the future and we're excited to see what those guys can do this year and the years coming.
0: Hey as an aside, uh, we just Mike mentioned Dante Wright and he was kind of a fan favorite. He'd had some big years in previous years and and I think there was a lot of fans that were bummed when he decided to transfer. Uh was he a guy that just didn't fit into the system or was he a guy that what you guys wanted to keep and and he he decided he wanted to change or How did that all transpire?
1: I mean, Dante's a hell of a player. Um, I think he's gonna have a ton of success at 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 his new school. Um, At the end of the day, everyone has what they like and what they don't like, and he just didn't really. I mean, he made the decision to leave, and so when a guy wants to leave, we're not gonna really beg a guy to stay um, because whoever's gonna pull the rope in the same direction with us as a staff and as a team, those are the guys we're gonna go to war with, and so. Not that many guys ended up staying with us. We finished the year with, I think, 59 scholarship players. And so those are the guys we walked into war with every single day, um, while some guys made a decision early on during the season to to leave.
0: Yeah, you kind of talked about the the pairing of NAL and transfer, uh, the ability to transfer without penalty uh, if you don't play in more than four games. and it seems like the spirit of that rule is being abused a little bit. I mean, every I feel like you, you should have the right to transfer as a student athlete. Uh, however, the way that it's turning out is if things don't go your way or if the season's not going quite well and people bail on your team mid season, it, 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 it rubs me the wrong way. What are your thoughts there? And, and did any of the transfers catch you off guard?
1: I, I mean, it didn't really catch us off guard. We knew the, the what we were playing with, um, I mean, we could have done some stuff differently now looking back at it. When we first got the job, we could have brought in some more guys and got rid of other guys. But, again, those guys were some of the guys that were good players. And so we're giving everybody an opportunity. Um, I think one thing that has changed is now if guys do quit, we could take that scholarship at any time. So if you want to quit game three, okay, we can take your scholarship. Now you got to pay for school and all your bills. So that's a decision you got to make because, again, it comes back to the saying there's no free lunch. And it's like life; not everything's gonna go your way. So sometimes you gotta show up to work and, and roll up those sleeves and get your hands dirty. And you not every day is gonna be a great day. So every dog's gonna have their day. But I think if you do stick things out and then you make the chance to make the make the decision to leave, it's gonna be a little different than just leaving between games one and game between game uh, game one and game four.
0: I know you can't talk about some of the the guys coming in for 2024 who have given verbals, but who on the current roster do you anticipate most complimenting Tory and JRS and at the receiver position and stepping in and contributing right away this year?
1: I'm just excited because we re- we've we got some depth this year. Last year at the receiver yeah. position, we were short on depth, and so now bringing in some of those freshmen, and then and we, we did bring in a, tr- a transfer. Um, I'm just excited because – Every year is a new year, and so there's no guaranteed starting roles. I mean, obviously, Torrey's made plays. Jay Ross has made plays. Dylan Goffney made plays at, at SMU. Um, Dane Olson's made plays. Dawson Menegatti had a, a big-time spring. So all of these guys, it's a clean slate, and the best players are going to play. And so I grade every practice rep from seven-on-seven, seven, the team reps and team run, um, all of our team periods, all grade one-on-ones. And it's my job at the end of the day to play the best players. I don't care if they're a freshman, junior, senior, walk-on, the best players are going to play. And so it's it's a new year. It's new opportunities for this these guys. And I'm just excited to see who shows up in fall camp and earns their job.
2: What was the difference between last spring and this spring? <sighs> this, so, our, obviously, I mean – <laughs> really just
1: guys understanding our system, our culture, how we practice, our practice habits, and how we operate Because when we first got there, obviously we were three months into the job. And so it was new to everybody, understanding the scheme, understand how we practice, understand how we lifted, condition, how we watched film. It's different. And so at least you come a full calendar year. Now those guys have an understanding on how we operate. And so things went a lot smoother and now it's uh, just going into fall camp. You hope those guys can keep building on that and keep stacking bricks and going into the season and just uh, with the right foot forward and to win some games this year.
0: You mentioned earlier the uh, play, playing CSU in 2021 and that season finale. And uh, it was a beat down. And uh, based on what you saw of the CSU program in that game and then joining the the program shortly thereafter what were some of the biggest changes that needed to be made and that you guys have been working on culture obviously increasing talent
1: yeah just those I mean really those two things you mentioned um culture guys having the same vision and and playing the way coach Norvell wants to play the game in all three phases offense defense and special teams and then just recruiting talent um guys that fit our profile from a height and weight measurement guys that fit our profile from a position specific standpoint and then guys at the end of the day that just really love the game of football do you love the game of football because that's again there's going to be highs and lows in this game and you might not be a a starter year one you might be on the scout team but if you love the game of football you're going to have that mindset to stick through it and do whatever it takes to, to for your team to win
0: Interesting you say that because you know, we, we all have played sports uh in our lives and and you live for you live for them, right? And at some point you're coming across some student athletes that maybe don't love it anymore and they're just playing because they have a scholarship and it's something they have to do. That's just really surprising to me. Is that more prevalent in this day and age or is
1: ah uh, I mean, a lot of people think the student athlete has changed nowadays, but I think a lot of the cultures and, and coaches have changed. Um I mean, I'm a younger coach, so obviously I don't have the experience that a guy like Coach Norvell has, and for him to – he'll have, obviously have a different response than I might have, but at the end of the day, you you do got to love the game of football, and some guys might come to just think they're on scholarship, but it's easy to weed out the guys that don't love the game, because how we do things in our building, it's not easy. Um, the, coach Simmons' strength conditioning program is not easy. Um, how we practice isn't easy. Um, the demand and – what we require out of our players isn't easy. And so if you don't love football, you will get exposed. And then, again, we want guys that love football on our roster. And so if you don't, nowadays, every scholarship year to year, we can go get guys that love football and replace them.
0: Some of the things that you mentioned uh, as far as implementing these changes and in, in evolving our program for the better, how far along do you think we are in terms of those things? And uh, where are some of the areas that we still
1: need to improve? Uh, I mean, I think it- – Again, every year is a new year, and I think we're going in the right direction, but we just got to keep building this puzzle piece by piece, day by day. And as long as we keep moving forward, I think we're going to definitely be a, a different team every single year in, in, from a positive standpoint.
0: As a, the team as a whole, looking at what you can accomplish this year, what kind of jump do you think the program is capable of making this year, and what are the realistic goals within the program?
1: I mean, just going back to our spring practice, I think we we're a completely different team in a good way. Look, from compared to last year's fall team. Um, We added some key transfers um, at the skill positions and up front on both sides, Uh, but that didn't even include all of our freshman class. And then you bring our freshman class. I think we're going to be a completely different team, but at the end of the day, you really don't know what team you're going to be until you play somebody. Um, But I think the steps that we've taken from spring to bringing these freshmen into the the summer they've had um, and changing their bodies in our strength and conditioning program, understanding our scheme. I'm just really itching to get out there come that first week of August to see what kind of team we'll be. And then come September 2nd against Washington State, I'm excited. It can't come soon enough. No, it can't. 45 days. Exactly. You're not the only one counting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that all fans like us get excited about during the summer is you see the the uniforms unveiled and and what's going to change this year. And it seems like we've dialed back. You know, you used to have multiple helmets and Hundred different uni combos, and now we're kind of getting back to the basics. Roots, the you know the roots of the green and gold. Is it kind of a statement within the program that hey, we're, let's get back to blue collar. We don't need to be this flashy Oregon type of team. Let's let's be blue collar like like Coach Norvell likes to preach.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're definitely a blue collar program, and, and it starts with with Coach Norvell. Some players love all the flash. I mean, they love the the shiny helmets, shiny uniforms. But at the end of the day, that stuff's not going to win you ball games, and so. I mean, we got that classic and clean look and the players do like them. We like them as a staff. I know the fans like them. But again, the uniforms don't matter if you're not winning football games. So it's it's our job to go win some games. And If the uniforms look good, great. Please do. <laughs> uh,
0: so last thing for me, what are your goals uh, like career wise as a coach? And where do you see yourself in you know, five years from now?
1: My goal is to be a head coach at the division one FBS level. Um, everyone's timeline is different. I'm just, you know, I'm unfortunate to have the job that I have at my age um, being under 30 years old to work with a guy like coach Norvell. I mean, he's given me an incredible opportunity as a GA gave me an incredible opportunity at Nevada as, uh, as a tight ends coach in 21, then to bring me with him as the receivers coach. It's all about being where your feet are. Um, and so I want to be the best coach possible, best recruiter possible for Colorado State University, and just to live in the moment because I think if you get caught up chasing other stuff, things things don't turn out the way you want to be it. So I'm going to do my best job for Coach Norvell. I'm happy where I'm at, and I just want to keep building this piece and the puzzle day by day and to see the fruition come to top because I've gone out and recruited some of these players. I want to see them have success, and I want to see them grow in this program for three to four years. But if if other opportunities come, they they have for many other coaches. Again, it's always a decision. You got to consult with some of the guys you trust in the profession. Um, I just – I do want to be a head coach, and who knows when that time will come.
0: We appreciate all you're doing for for CSU and our Rams.
1: No, we I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the fan support. Um, really, everybody in the Fort Collins community, in the state of Colorado. I mean, we're just – we're so grateful to have people that – that love our program, support us through the highs and lows, and just know that we're doing our job every single day to make you guys proud.
2: All right. So I always I always ask our guests, this is what, kind of the last question. So you talk about your recruiting areas in Southern California and Arizona, and you said that San Diego is, is one of your main spots. Um, so if I travel to San Diego, I need a local restaurant. Where is your go-to, especially since you spent so much time there, at usd
1: oh okay um what's your favorite food i mean
2: i'll eat anything
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there is a taco truck right by usd um if you it's right off off linda vista in the, the street where the mall is by the golfers i'm blanking it but there's a little taco truck at the bottom of the hill i'll definitely get get it for you but their shrimp tacos are to die for all right all yeah. right, and, so, and
2: you so have to be a taco truck
1: <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah, a lot of people want to go to the the well known places in town, but if, if there's a little hole in the wall or an authentic Mexican place, I'm
2: definitely going to make the stop there. How about how about in Phoenix? Since you go to Arizona so much,
1: oof. Um, I mean, there's there's a laundry list of places over
2: there too. <laughs> All right, I like. I'll, 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 there I'll, on I'll, I'll, I'll have to
1: I'll have to think of my top place. I know. Oh, you said you're going this Tuesday?
2: Yeah, I'll be there in in one week.
1: Survive the heat.
2: Uh, luckily, just landing and then driving to to south of Tucson, which is still gonna be hot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, it it really is. It's a, uh, I think some of my friends out there this week said it was like one sixteen this past week. So yeah, Ooh, yeah, it's to- uh, <laughs> it's it's heating up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, we appreciate you, Chad.
0: Thanks for taking the time, and uh, we really can't wait for some football here coming up in the next uh, month and a half.
2: When I appreciate... when, does fall camp, when does fall camp start? Uh, let everybody know. So the there players will have our first meeting on August 3rd. All right.
1: Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's right around the corner. But, again, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Appreciate you inviting me on your show, and we appreciate all your support for Colorado State football, and uh, we're excited for this year. All, we all right. Too. Go Rams. Thanks coach. No, no doubt. Thank you guys.
0: Really enjoyed that conversation with coach Chad Savage, man. CSU was lucky to have him got a great bevy of coaches in the CSU football program. And, uh, just gives you a lot of confidence that things are going to turn around. He has a big part in that with elevating the, the talent in the program. And, uh, It'll be exciting to see what's to come here in the next uh, month and a half as football starts kicking off and we've got uh, fall camp starting in uh, three weeks. So, very exciting. Stay tuned for later this week, we'll have a CSU men's golf episode where we bring on star senior golfer Connor Jones as well as head coach Michael Wilson. It'll be a great conversation leading into the British Open. Thanks for listening. Please support our sponsors. They make this thing go. Go rant. But didn't pick out, finally got a call.